Hi everyone, it's Witchy Bites. Hello. Welcome to episode 35. 35. And I'm Liz. And I'm Hanny. We both we both can't believe it's episode 35. Oh no, when did that happen? It's crazy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I am talking today about vinegar and more specifically Four Thieves vinegar, but on its own, that topic was a little bit... Ah, uh, okay. Little? <laughs> a little bit little. <laughs> so now you're going to get a history of vinegar. Woohoo! It'll be interesting. I don't know much about the history of vinegar. It's long. Well, at least you've gone from like tiny topic to like lots of information. Yeah. That's good. I had a really good topic planned out in my mind, but it didn't come together in the way that I wanted. So I might still come back to it. So I am doing winter. That is my topic. In a sort of, in a sort of general way, there's a lot of Yule, there's a bit of, well, it probably end up being a fair bit of Yule kind of stuff in there. Yeah. But I more just wanted to explore how I thought and felt about winter in general because I usually hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yay. Yeah. So I'm doing winter. Oh, I love that. Yay. In hopes cool. that it will help me to enjoy the season a little more. Well, we've already, we've already had uh, lower than normal snow, so that's kind of exciting, I guess. I guess. <laughs> oh, I, th- I thought of my question, and you can take this out. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that. Like, we were going along fairly well with our weather, like it was just sort of mild, late autumn autumnal weather, because I like the word autumnal. And then suddenly, like, it was really cold. Like, the temperature dropped five-plus degrees every day and it's just stayed really cold. That was what you said it was like in Japan. It just suddenly went, oh, different season. Yeah, yeah, like overnight. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. I'm bitterly disappointed about this. <laughs> and I hope it happens in spring and earlier. So it's suddenly cold, cold, cold. Oh, now it's spring. Yeah. Jump yeah. by 10 degrees. I'm, I'm okay with that end, but... This end I didn't like. But weirdly, it happened so late as well. Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah like the autumn was so much warmer. And yeah. Autumn felt fairly short. I was sort of waiting to get more into autumn and to get a little cooler and, I don't know, more. Oh, there's a bit of tree change, like colours and changing foliage. But I was waiting for there to be more and then suddenly it's like, oh, it's bitterly cold and I'm hate it <laughs> let's start before my sound cracks it again and before i fall asleep okay sounds good okay i'm ready now we can start tell me about vinegar in general and um for these vinegar in particular what i'm covering is what it is how it's made a bit of history and it has a long ass history because it's been around as long as alcohol has been around that's so, a long time a long ass time yeah <laughs> Uh, and then I'm going to give you s- some recipes uh, for mm. Four Thieves vinegar, not alcohol. Oh. <laughs> and I'm, go- then I'm-, I'm going now. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you're less interested. And then I'm going to do uh, magical uses, which is not that long because it kind of has the magical uses you would expect, I think. Okay. Anyhow. Okay. So, what is vinegar? What is vinegar? Uh, so, vinegar is made from pretty much any type of fermentable carbohydrate, such as wine, alcohol, of course, Woo-hoo. 
dates, molasses, um, sorghum, apples, pears, grapes, berries, melons, coconut, honey, beer, maple syrup, potatoes, malt, and grains, to name a few. They sound like alcohol ingredients. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, like vodka and cider and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So what happens is the natural sugars of the carbohydrate ferments, which creates alcohol, as you know. And then when the alcohol is exposed to oxygen, it converts to acetic acid. Okay. Which is what vinegar essentially is. So it gives it that uh, really sharp vinegar taste. So if you've ever had wine... (laughs) And then not yes. drunk it for a couple of weeks. And then you go back and have a swig and you're like, oh, no, that's at the end of its yeah. life. Yeah. It's because it's turned into vinegar or started to turn into vinegar. So that's Then you could use it for other things. Just Exactly. Not... I mean, if you could stand it, maybe it would. If you cannot get drunk on vinegar, can you? Well, I don't think the alcohol content is in there anymore, is it? If yeah, it's I been converted I... to. I thought it had gone, hadn't it? I'm not any science in the world, so just move on. <laughs> I mean, there might be a small amount. I'd have to Google it. I don't know the answer. It's not enough for me. (laughs) It's not like vanilla essence. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I particularly like with vinegar is when it contains something called the mother of vinegar. If you don't know what that is, it's that cloudy stuff you see in some vinegars in the supermarket and it occurs when a longer fermenting process has been allowed to happen. Essentially, it's made up of yeast and acidic bacteria, which is why it's that cloudy-looking fishizzle stuff in the bottom of the bottle. <laughs> there are reports that uh, retaining the mother in vinegar has health benefits, which yep. I think we've all seen. But it's actually unsubstantiated. doesn't mean it doesn't have it. It's just that there's no evidence to support it. But, yeah, when I'm doing my, like, making my four thieves vinegar, I do look for uh, vinegars mm-hmm. that have the mother in it personally. Yep. So... Yeah. Okay, the history of vinegar and its uses. So, the word vinegar has been in the English language since the 14th century. Okay. I just, didn't know just, that. Just a little while. Just a little while. Just a little while. And it's actually from the French word... Go. You can do it. <laughs> Vinaigre? Vinaigre? <laughs> I don't know. V-I-N-A-I-G-R-E. Vinegary, which translates as sour wine or wine vinegar. It's so okay, original. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. They left the wine in the barrels too long, and were like, oh. <laughs> "This is sour." I don't know if I describe it as sour. I'd describe it as bitter, but yeah, maybe it's sour because it's gone off like sour milk. Yeah. Ugh. In a lot of the articles I read, it said that it's expected that vinegar has been used longer than what's in written documentation because we Mm -hmm. know that alcohol's been around for a long time. So we know that alcohol residue can be found like wine in the Neolithic period around, you know, 8,500 to 4,000 BCE. I'm sure they let it go off so... (laughs) At least a few times. So you'd think they would have discovered it, maybe. You would think so, wouldn't you? It's just that it's not documented. So, um, so for example, Persia, which is modern day Iran, has the oldest winemaking country. Is the oldest winemaking country in the world? That's um, a cool title. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah, they found resin in attributed to grapes in urns and vases and stuff. Yeah. So, and the other thing I saw was that they know that early European farmers uh, used clay to prevent wine from turning to vinegar. 
Okay. Yeah, which is actually yeah. a process that's still used in wine today. So a okay. lot of vegan wines, because uh, wine yep. isn't necessarily vegan. No. I remember learning that one the hard way. Is is used to like clean out all the crap in the wine as well. So okay. To, to make it look better. So I thought that was really interesting as well. We're going to go to ancient cultures because if that wasn't ancient enough, we're going to Egypt. Okay. I was expecting Rome. Cause, you Where know, are you? Rome does everything stupid. Well, we, we will be talking about Rome. <laughs> I have a great story about Excellent. using vinegar and rocks together. So <laughs> That sounds excessively stupid. The um, excessively sensible, intelligent thing to do. Yes, good. <laughs> I'm glad that you think that because it's actually. I want to know if it's true. We'll have to try it. Ooh, okay. Um, okay, so I haven't. I haven't given the whole history, just like part of it, because it's again just long. the fun so parts. I've just picked pieces. So, yeah. in Egypt, found in a tomb from 3150 BCE, is wine. Surprise, wine. Yay. So we also know that the ancient Egyptians had a word for wine turning to vinegar, and okay. it's called hemej, which is actually written as HMD, but hemej is how it's pronounced. Okay. So we know at least from there that, you know, it's been a known thing to happen. Mesopotamia. Now, I learnt that I know shit all about history when I was getting confused between Mesopotamia and ancient Babylonian times, and I looked it up and then I got even more confused. So if this doesn't make sense, don't write me because <laughs> I'm so confused by what it is. This okay. is the librarian. Okay, so Mesopotamia, there are records of wine fermenting with oxidization to vinegar, so they actually specific okay. talk yep. about that process. And it's our first written record. We also have ancient Babylonian records that suggest fruit and date plums were being used to make wine vinegar and that vinegar was being used to preserve and pickle foods. And this is from about 5000 BCE. Of course, another great fun thing from that time period is talking about vinegar and its use for beauty. Um, It's said that Helen of Troy bathed in diluted vinegar to relax, which is still something we do today. And, of course, the Trojan War is set about, you know, 1200 BCE and for the use of vinegar to make it into the myth suggests that it was a popular remedy. So it kind of gives this really good vibe a good vibe for how vinegar might have been used in ancient um in the ancient mediterranean so shifting to the classical world so um this is when we start to see medical and vinegar being used because of as acidic content yeah in greece in 460 to 377 bce we have hippocrates of Kos. And he's the father of modern medicine, and he would prescribe vinegar as a remedy for many, for many, many diseases. Like, mm. pretty much, he was like, "You're sick, uh, Have some here's vinegar. some vinegar." Yeah, drink <laughs> yeah, that like, shit down, man. Kind of like snake oil in that way. <laughs> like, it's like you're sick. Have this. It may have sometimes worked, <laughs> though. <laughs> yeah. Well, we man. know. Um, so medically, the only real benefit we know with vinegar is that it can have good impact for people with diabetes Mm. so and that's pretty much it other than that it's like an antiseptic so yeah see that's all that i knew i was like it has some antibacterial kind of very mild antibacterial kind of 
properties. Yeah. I can't think of any words. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's yeah. that's that's cool. Yeah. Like it, it pretty much they do say in the medical literature to not use it on wounds. So no, yeah. But I was thinking more not on wounds, but like keeping mm. areas clean of germs, but not your, yeah necessarily on your person. Yeah, yeah. or a giant yeah. cut on your leg. You yeah, know, yeah. Flip it open, put some vinegar on. Don't do that. Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> Especially not an hour word. My God. <laughs> God. I can get you a book on medicine. I cannot tell you what to do with the book or the medicine. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So that. Uh, so yeah. So he did, and like he used it for things like coughs and co- co- uh, coughs and colds. So like I can imagine maybe the acidic property of it would potentially help with that. Or also, that would have sucked. Or, like having yeah. to just drink vinegar. Yeah, I, I would assume it was diluted, but I don't know. So Let's then hope. also in Greece, around yeah. 370 to 285 BCE, we have a philosopher called Theophrastus of Erisos, and he starts making paint pigments oh. from mixing metal and acid, like okay. metal and yeah. vinegar together. So okay. I thought that was really cool. And That's I kind of cool. want to try and do that yeah. somehow. That sounds fun. Just don't use lead like that. <laughs> Like some other people did, which I skipped out of the story, but it's, I mean, uh, it's a fun one to look up. It might make a good paint, but I'm um, just not, again, not near your person at all, ever. There were people that were mixing lead and sugar together and drinking it, and of course that's a poison, so, and that was, you can thank our lovely alchemist for that. <laughs> I love yeah. alchemy, but also no. <laughs> I know. Now to Rome. There's a story Yay. about Hannibal the war leader. Woohoo! And he used vinegar to remove a large rock that was blocking his path. So what, what they – I know, isn't this cool? So what they did was they heated the rock with fire and once it was warm, they poured vinegar over it, which weakened it, and then they could break it up and continue on their way. I want to try it. I want to try it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it works. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, it's been yeah, done yeah. on Mythbusters, but I want to do it myself. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to get each other killed one day. Let's just try this thing that really (laughs) seems benign but could actually be dangerous. Let's heat a rock and then pour acid on it and sit acid. Vinegar on it. Acid. Yeah, that'll probably get rid of it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Vinegar on it and, uh, yeah. Okay. And and it's in Rome where we start to see vinegar being mentioned in cookbooks. Um, So that's about 230 AD and – they also talk about mixing water and vinegar to disinfect unclean water sources, so to make okay. sure that they weren't going to get yeah. sick from drinking bad water. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was really cool is there's a link with Cleopatra and Mark Antony with vinegar. Have you heard yeah. this? No. So apparently they were having this, like, very exquisite, uh, very uh, expensive banquet yeah and cleopatra bet mark that she could make it even more luxurious by consuming a fortune and so what she did was she put a pearl i believe it was from her earring into Mm. vinegar and dissolved it and then drank it and because pearls were incredibly expensive at the time yeah they were a sign of wealth and i found that's gone into like legend and stuff like it's become a cultural thing like i've heard yeah yeah i can't think of an example but i have heard of like melting the pearl into liquid of a kind and drinking it yeah that's where that comes from possible 
So um, it's not as not as fast as the myth suggests no, or the story yeah. suggests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If vinegar is heated, it can happen in a couple of hours. Um, That's still pretty cool, though. It is. And if it's yeah. just like normal temperature, it's like 36 hours to melt down. So, but yeah, so it might have actually happened. They had a, or they could have just had a really long banquet. They could have. You never know. They I could have. have slept twice in that time. So it's not, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and vinegar is mm. also mentioned in the Bible. And it was. Uh, mentioned with Jesus being hung on the cross and he was given okay. vinegar to quench his thirst. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. And there's, like, lots of references in history about it being, like, a refreshing drink. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not the anyway. kind of person that just, you know, has a has a sip no. of vinegar. So, All right. Middle Ages. Maybe it's an ages. acquired taste. If anyone just drinks vinegar regularly, please tell me why you do that to melt the belly fat haven't you seen those ads (laughs) there's no science to support that Uh, (laughs) surprise i mean i feel like when we go back to certain places like greece the snake oil stuff may have started from there but anyway all right (laughs) the middle ages yes here we go sorry scandinavia we're now in scandinavia and vinegar was used as a pickling agent and the storage of provisions. So, like, you, it was often made from mead, so this is where you start to see it being done with apples rather than wine. At least it sounds nicer. It does, doesn't it? Well, when I do stuff, I use apple cider vinegar. I don't mm. tend to use any other vinegar. Not even I even use apple cider vinegar for cleaning, which is probably a bit extravagant. <laughs> I don't know if it has the same level of stuff in it. And, of course, alchemy, let's talk about alchemists. They were hugely into vinegar, other than for poisoning people with lead. <laughs> Essentially, it was used to dissolve metals, which is how they poison people with lead. I found this really interesting mention about European alchemists actually learning a lot of their teachings from Islamic alchemists. Yes, yes, yes. You've heard that before? I have heard that, yeah. They even brought, like, mathematics and stuff across. Like, we didn't. Us ignorant Westerners had no idea how maths worked. Even some real basic stuff that we use now. It's like the yeah. from the Middle East. And even like just like basic chemistry and stuff yeah. came from the Middle East as well, which was Because so we cool. had a Dark Ages yeah. and they didn't at that time. They just kept going. Yeah. And then people came across and were like, what are you peasants doing? You know nothing. <laughs> Here, let us. Yeah, let us teach you. <laughs> yeah. So, no, that wasn't us. That was That was all them. And yeah, it's like, yeah, we were ignorant hicks at one point. <laughs> what a surprise. Uh, I don't think that's surprising to anyone. No. <laughs> yes, they actually knew a lot about the chemical properties of vinegar and mm. someone called Jabrulabin Hyen from 721 AD to 815 AD discovered acetic acid, which is the product from turning into vinegar, mm-hmm. and he found it when he was distilling vinegar. So that's how he discovered it. So, like, he yep. was... Yeah, and then his work is what made it to European alchemists. Okay. Yeah. So as you were saying, yeah. I've skipped a lot in here about Asia. There's a lot. There's a big history with vinegar in Asia. Obviously, we've got like rice wine vinegars and all that. Oh kind yeah, of, of course. Stuff. Yes, 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 yes. And it's quite a, a deep history. But I would be here forever oh. <laughs> if I started talking about that. That would be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and some of it's really quite old and there's, like, stories in, like, myths where it's not really spelled out, but I think you could safely assume that it was vinegar. vinegar. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, and some of it's really quite old. So um, it's definitely, if you're into a niche topic like vinegar, that might be something you might like to research. Just before I move on, I just want to mention that the first industrial vinegar making happened in France in 1394. Oh, wow. That's that's early. I wasn't expecting that either. And, again, it was done by alchemists and, like, technicians. I I want alchemist vinegar. Does that sound so cool? Yeah. I might drink that. No, actually, no, I take that back. I'd probably be even less inclined. Oh, yeah, they made it in – no, they didn't make it in lead. They made this sweet thing with sugar and lead and vinegar, but not that. Vinegar was done properly. Yeah. And it was done on a large scale. And so the alchemists and the technicians, they were sworn to secrecy over the recipes. Right. And there's actually a modern-day French saying that has lasted from then. Oh, wow. And it is – You don't have to say it in French if you don't want to. I'm going to (laughs) try. I won't know. So, yeah, you go. You go for it. I'll just go. C'est la secret du vinaigreria, which means it's the secret of the vinegar maker, which is used when describing something mysterious or hard to understand. Yeah. So I'm the secret of the vinegar maker? Maybe, yeah. I'm slightly mysterious, but really hard to understand. Nigma! <laughs> I wrote here, which I wasn't going to read out, but I wrote here, for me, that's emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, that's other people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get on to Four Thieves Vinegar. That's what we're here to talk about. And it's related to the plague. So there's a few plagues. We do have to go over a couple of them because it leads to Four Thieves Vinegar. So the year is 1348 and plague has broken out in Italy and a physician called Tommaso del Garbo uh, starts telling people that if they want to keep the plague away, they need to wash their hands, face and mouth in vinegar. It's eating that vinegar again. Like, why do people do Yeah, but it's like that whole like disinfectant yeah. quality of it, which is really cool. And so by the time the bubonic plague broke out, mm. it was really common knowledge that vinegar was used as a protection tool against germs. Mm. Now, please, please don't do this with COVID. It's no. a different kind of plague. <laughs> back then that, that was all they had people just we have many a thing now that is not just vinegar so yeah <laughs> most of it with a high alcohol content <laughs> before it becomes vinegar another really cool thing that i found was that during the 1665 english plague markets were still being operated and so there was like handing over of coins like gold yep. coins yep, yep, yep. to stop the spreading of the plague through like touching and coins they would put the coins in vinegar okay and then they would take it out and rest it on a stone just to wait for it to disinfect and that stone still exists it's still in derby oh, cool. in england so yeah. you can go and see it if you want to it's at the gate and then of course we have the thieves the four thieves so we're now in 1791 we're in oh, france that's, that's that's quite late it is. So there's a little bit of like a popular story and then there's yep. like some wiggle room with the popular story. Okay. So I'm going with the popular story. Okay. So, uh, so 1791, we're in France and the plague is spreading and people are looting the plague infected houses. And <laughs> so initially the cops are kind of like, uh, like, oh, well, they're just going to die from the plague. But they kept We thieving. won't chase them in there with the plague 
And they kept thieving and they were realising it was the same people and eventually the police catch up with them. They trade with the thieves their lives if they reveal what it is that's keeping them safe. And they tell them that it's their mother's recipe for a disinfectant that they used, she used to make. That brew is yep. what became known as Four Thieves Vinegar. Oh, okay. So that's the story. So they were protected by their mother. <laughs> Essentially, Essentially. the best. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's the actual moral. Forget the vinegar. <laughs> Listen to your mum. That's right. <laughs> uh, so there's a mu- the Museum of Paris put up the recipe in 1937. Do we know but, if it's that original recipe? Yeah. Probably not, but they claim it is. Uh, and so this is what it is. Okay. It's three pints, which I don't know what that is in... It comes in pints. I'm going to look up what that is in mils. Three pints. It's like a foreign language to me. Is it like 300 and something mils? Uh, no, oh, jeez. <laughs> Three pints is 1,704 mils. So we're talking 1.7 litres. Okay. Cool. No wonder the hobbits thought a pint was really large because it is quite large. Uh. <laughs> a pint is like three... Three or four hundred meals ish, because three of them. Yeah, yeah. I've never asked for a pint of wine, so I have no clue. Actually, I've asked for a pint of soft drink at a pub when oh. I was younger, and it is a big fat glass. Oh, cool! Yeah, oh. four hundred, maybe four fifty meals. Okay, point seven liters of strong white vinegar, a handful of wormwood, handful of meadowsweet, handful of wild marjoram, handful of sage. 50 cloves, that already puts me off ever trying it. That sounds gross. That's all right. That's the, you have the cloves. Oh, I hate cloves. I, I can have one. <laughs> That's overpowering enough. And then they say two ounces, which is about 56 grams of campanula roots, 56 grams of angelic, uh, 56 grams of rosemary, 56 grams of whorehound. Are you seeing a theme here? <laughs> it's handfuls of 56 grams. And then three large measures of camphor, which I had to Google. I didn't know what that was. I don't know what a measure is. Camphor is oil that is gross. Yeah, made That's from, all I know. Distilled from a plant. <laughs> yeah, made from yep. a plant. They used to – I think my mother used to have to take the camphor oil to like as a health thing when she was a little kid, and she was just like, it was gross. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was camphor oil. And she's like, I'm never giving that to your kids ever. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> her mother encouraged her. She was like, fuck, no. She didn't say fuck. I oh, really? Fuck. You surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think – did you say like angelic? Yeah, which I assume is Angelica. Angelica, sure. yeah. Yeah, but it was written as Angelic at the museum. I think I have read that that is Angelica, but um, I'm sure someone else who actually knows these things has deciphered <laughs> somewhere. For sure, yeah. And there's yeah. very variations of this recipe online everywhere. So, um, And this is the old recipe. There's actually a newer one, which I'm also going to say. I like the idea of it being like as close as we'll probably ever get to the proper old recipe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say with, like, little bunny ears. I just yeah. think it's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, my God, it sounds like it makes heaps. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, I guess they were swimming in plague in times. Yeah. <laughs> so. Mm. Uh, and I, and because it was they were talking about their mother, I assume that they were four brothers even because oh, yeah, that's, that's true. kind of weird. 
Unless all their mothers made it. Maybe all their mothers made it. Maybe they maybe grew up as family friends. Maybe one of them made it and it just down the time it's become our mother, but it was yeah. just like his mum. Yeah. <laughs> we his don't mom. care about Johnny Boy's mum. <laughs> yeah. So then you strain and express and put it in a bottle and then they would rub it on their hands, ears, temples from time to time when, you know, plague victims were near. Okay. Or they slathered themselves probably to go into plague victims' homes to steal their stuff. Like I said, they swam in it. That's they why they made so much. So it's kind of changed. So that's the old recipe and there's a bit more of a modern recipe now and this is the one I use and this is the one that yeah. I was taught when I did that conjuring course. So Okay. So this is what I make. And it's kind of changed in that it's it's less about all those different herbs. Yeah. And it's more about vinegar, garlic and then four herbs that represent the thieves. Oh, so it's kind of like the mythology of it's sort of become part of the recipe rather that's than right. this is where it came from. Yeah. And this is the original recipe. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I buy the cloudy apple cider vinegar, which has yep. the mother in it. And like I said, that's a really important ingredient for making this. Mm-hmm. Garlic, and I mean, when I say garlic, I mean a shit ton of garlic. I don't mean like two or three cloves. I mean put as much garlic in that sucker as you can. <laughs> like I probably put in a whole head of garlic. Okay. Yeah, my house smells amazing when I clean with it. (laughs) Um, But garlic, you know, kind of has sort of antiseptic properties in it as well. So that's kind of like the really important um, element of this is the garlic is key. And then you can have pretty much any four herbs that you like to represent um, the four thieves. thieves. So I pretty much just buy what's on special at the supermarket from that fresh section. I have some meat growing in my garden and I'll put that in. Rosemary, thyme, basil, parsley, like, you know, but you could use anything. You could use oregano, you could use, you know, something like that. Does it have to be fresh? I use, I was told fresh when I made it. So I always use fresh. I mean, I guess it's about steeping the herbs in the vinegar. So yep. so I would say fresh would probably be better, but you could try. If that's, if that's a barrier for people, try it without, with like dried herbs. Like if that's a big thing for you, you can't get fresh or it's too expensive. I tried just because I have a heap of dried herbs to cook yeah. with. So I was like, maybe I could try. I mean, you could probably even forage some of these things. Like we have yeah. um, down the road, we have dill growing on the side of the road so i could go that's and collect cool. that and put it in there and yeah and there's a lot of places um especially in australia well in tassie i know for sure um there's fennel everywhere and it's like an invasive herb so like a yeah. weed yeah so if you see fennel and you want to use it in tassie please go, you can just go and take it unless it's in someone's yard i suppose but it grows like on the side of the road Grows at the river down here. So, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Dig that sucker up if you want. Yeah. And it might be nice to, to wild forage some of your herbs. Yeah. If you, but if it's you can't, cool if you live in a city, you don't have that option. You don't even yeah. have a balcony of herbs. Hello. Sounded like it was in the room, but she's just at the door. So the next thing is that you want to shake it up and you want to yep. shake it for five days. So five. You stand there for five whole 24-hour periods shaking. Yeah, that's I'd need all to, you do. I'd need to eat and go to the toilet. <laughs> no, you just shake it a few times every day, five days yeah. for five days. Okay. 
Um, last time I kind of I changed this up. I did nine because I wanted that m- kind of magical. Oh yeah, nine day yeah. thing incorporated into it. So if you have some number that's like really symbolic to you, you might like to do that as well. And put it somewhere where you can, you're going to see it. Otherwise, you're probably going to forget about it. Yeah, I'd forget about it. Um, so you just do do you just dump everything into a container? Yeah. So what actually what I do is I tip some of the uh, cider vinegar out. And then I just fill the bottle up with those ingredients. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. See. And then I just use what I have, you know, like on salad or something, you know, like you can eat it, put it in your bath or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. don't chuck it away, but like, yeah. Make space in the bottle. If you want to put it in a different container, go for it, but yeah. I'll just use the bottles. Because it's there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's exactly. already full. Yeah. You just got to make yeah. room for the ingredients. Mm. It says to And keep a whole it- head of garlic. I mean, so you need a little bit of room in there. Yeah. So yeah. you'll have like a little bit left over, but yeah. Some of the things I read said to like bruise the garlic, but I wasn't taught to do that. So um, you do. Can you say that again? Bruise garlic. Oh, like yeah, you yeah. Kinda, yeah like I, heard, I heard you say brew and I was <laughs> like, what the How? fuck is that? Yeah. That yeah. sounds interesting. What are you doing? Tell me now. <laughs> How are you brewing garlic? Like, what is that? Does it make it a weird tea and then you put the tea in there? Oh. Uh, yeah, no, that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so then, like, yeah, it says to keep it in a dark place out of the sun. Um, I keep mine on the fridge. So, I don't know. Maybe out of direct, dark, but direct, direct sunlight. sunlight. Yeah. Yeah, because if I don't have it on the fridge, I'm not going to remember to shake it every day because no. I'm not that kind of person. No. Okay, so why four thieves vinegar? Why? So I think the best thing for vine- about vinegar and using it to make like a cleaning product or like a purification product is mm. that it's cheap. It's not like you're buying a bottle That's of true. vodka to, you know, mix some stuff up. It's- Although there are some upsides to buying a bottle of vodka, man. But, um, yes, if you're going to, like, splash it around on your floor <laughs> <laughs> to clean, yeah, maybe not. And, like, if you're underage, you know, you can buy yeah, you're not vinegar. Get any. Yeah. You know, so this is an adult easily. 18 plus show. <laughs> you know? No. <laughs> I mean, I put explicit every single episode. So. <laughs> Yes, I would. Yeah, have you? You've heard how many times I've sworn. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> like I said, ingredients are easy to find. You know, some you might even be able to wild forage them. So what we know from history is that vinegar is protective. So of course, use it in protection magic. You might like to sprinkle it around your perimeter to keep intruders away, or at your windows, at your doors, that kind of thing. It can be used in banishings. So I saw on Learn Religions there was an article, seen in the show notes, that you can banish a person by putting a name on paper, soak it in four thieves vinegar, and then fold it as small as you can and bury it in some dirt. So it's an option. Cool. I saw a couple of things that mentioned that you can use it to end relations, relationships or to cause strife in relationships. So if you wanted to break someone up, you could. That's I found this mean. more around like hoodoo and conjuring sites. Yeah. So if you yeah. want to know about that, do, do look into it. I didn't go any further. Um, and then you can also use four thieves vinegar and healing. So you might like to use it in a ritual, um, anoint a poppet if you're doing healing magic for someone yep. or dab it on the walls or floors of a place where the person lives. Like if they're sick in bed, you yep. might like to do that. If using like the recipe that I shared, which uses vinegar, which has, which is food grade. So stuff yep. from the supermarket. Cause there's some that you can get that are 
not food grade and they can actually burn you. So just be careful because they're really Maybe high. that's what they used on that rock. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't the food not grade. Not food grade. So I think food grade has to be under 5% and you can buy some that are like 10 20%. Um, but the other of, thing is if you do buy one that's food grade, you don't have to worry about like ingesting it either. That's so with right. some, You know, with some herbs and stuff, yes, be careful. But if you buy just a food grade vinegar that you know you can eat because it's from the supermarket. And, and, and it's food in, grade like, herbs from the yeah, supermarket. supermarket. Then yeah. you can eat it. Yeah. Unless you have allergic, you know, have an allergy. Of course. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you'd know that. And if you do have a weird reaction, then you can go, oh, my God, I think I have an allergy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the point is, like, it's safe. Like, some of these things you go through and you're like, oh, yeah, cool. And then you're like, can I even put it on my skin? Like, I don't know. But with this, you could, yeah, you can drink the vinegar if you're mad. I mean. Well, I actually use it in cooking. So remember I mentioned yeah. at the last episode about the ritual and I said that I was making up a dish and I used vinegar, I called vinegar, I used four thieves vinegar. Yeah. And so, and I put that into the recipe. So then I even had Garlicky. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so then I had that like, um, that kind of protection. I put the protection into the food yeah. that then no one ate yeah. oh. <laughs> except me. I got lots of protection. <laughs> you got all the protection, there. baby. Yeah, the point is, yeah, often mm. with things I'm like, I want to use this for this certain thing, but I don't mm. even know if I can actually put it on me, let alone drink it. Mm-hmm. But with this, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, and I think that's what's nice. nice. It's nice to actually share something that you can say, well, you know, you should be fine unless you have an allergy. So Yeah. The ways that I use it is like washing floors, like I use it to wash floors. Um, you can dilute it and, you know, clean your hair with it, dilute and drink it. You could also put it in a bath, add some into your bath. Uh, I don't add the whole bottle, though, just like a splash. You'd be a garlicky bitch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I can use it on my tools. Like I will, like, yeah, you know, yeah. if I want That's there. a good idea. Yeah. So, like, really, it, it's really versatile because it is a liquid. It, you know, how, how and a safe. Yeah. Liquids that are protective, healing, kind of banishing, you know, that kind of thing. So. Can you use it in exorcisms? That I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can use it in plays from the 1300s to the 1700s, 1800s. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that's it. That's Four Thieves Vinegar. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Yay. All right. I am doing winter for my topic. I had I had a great, like, astronomy topic picked out because I watched these awesome documentaries about just about the planets and these new scientific discoveries they've made and I wanted to match some of the information to myths about the deity the planet was named after and it turned out to be really hard (laughs) and so I'm sort of partway through that you may get it or you may not because my theory might not even work out properly but that's fine but yeah so I started doing that and then it fell in a heap, so I had to do something else. So I picked winter because the cold weather's been annoying me, basically. So like, let's do winter. Let's <laughs> dig into that topic and find out. I mean, in a way, it's kind of basic information associated with the season and, of course, a lot about Yule. But um, I also just want to talk a little bit about how it makes me feel and, and like, my sort of magical personal associations. So, yeah, I'm doing winter. In a broad sense. 
let me dive in. I have like a bunch of notes, but we'll see how I go. All right. Winter. So I'm going to start with like quite basic things and I have a couple of things I actually want to ask you because I didn't get a chance to go back and look at them. So winter is the coldest season each year. It occurs when the hemispheres of the earth is tilted away like furthest from the sun. Winter and summer happen at opposite times of the year in each hemisphere. So we have winter now. Everyone in the north would be starting in summer. I always hate like down here you'll see either there's all this stuff about the cold and then I'm happy like I don't want to be up there in the north but when it's cold down here and it's just all this stuff like on witchy blogs or just in the news in general like the people you follow they're all talking about like how warm it is and it's it's and the lovely weather and wow that's you know obviously what happens I'm always a bit like I need to follow more Australian witches (laughs) Because it's always just a bit of a like you get bombarded and like all of the courses and emails, you know, all those kinds of things, they're always like out of sync. And I always mean to go back and look at them, but I never do. (laughs) Maybe it's just me not knowing who, following enough Southerners who do, you know, put out more information in the blogosphere, emails, that kind of thing. But yeah, I always notice it and I always feel a bit... uh, like out of sync I'll read about this great course and it'll be you know nature based and I'll be like I'm not gonna not gonna do it because it'll just be six months out of sync so I think it's really easy for maybe it is to do with following Australian stuff but I do follow some Australian stuff but where the biggest traction the biggest audience is is the northern hemisphere that's where most people are Europe yeah you know, America. Yeah, of course. Like, it, and then it's you know, it's not necessarily terrible, but it's just always so noticeable, and I always feel a bit. Eh. Mm, yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And even our followers are mostly Australian. Like, there, yeah. there's a few people Northern Hemisphere, but yeah, I man, it possibly yeah. would be of less interest. And it doesn't mean that I don't follow those people. Like, I'm still really interested in what they say, and I like getting the information. But it's mm. always a bit. It's just out of sync. Six months out of sync. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some of the stuff is just so good, like really, really good. And I'm always like, okay, I'll try to remember, <laughs> try to remember to come back in six months' time. And, and you never do. Never do. I keep all the stuff, but I just, mm. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So winter includes Yule, the shortest day of the year, of course. So I'll go into to to Yule. Because there was much more about, like, I wanted to actually find winter overall sort of symbology and stuff like that. And there wasn't as much as I thought there would be. Like, it's all just Yule-based. So, but it fits. So, okay. So, these are the dates of the season of winter. I found three sets of different dates. So, the start and end. So, I will do... And I got both, the south and the north. So I'll do south first. So in the southern temperate zone. So this is like this is not even all of Australia. This is like the temperate zones of Australia, New Zealand, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I actually got a lot of this stuff from Wikipedia because it's all like weather-based articles. So it's quite factual. Um, And there's one for each of the climate zones and it does talk about their different seasons. So if you live in a different climatic zone have a look on wikipedia it's actually quite good as far as i can see for this because you know basic factual information i don't think it would be wrong but you know 
pull me up if it is. Okay, so there's, there were three dates for the season, the astronomical date, the meteorological date, and the solar or Celtic date for the season. So the astronomical date, I hope I'm saying that right. I just suddenly, I couldn't even spell meow today, people, so just bear with me. So the dates, <laughs> yay, <laughs> the astronomical date for the season is the 21st of June in the south to the 23rd of September. So that's basically, um, essentially for us, it'd be Yule, but the midwinter. So winter doesn't start till midwinter. And personally, sometimes, like I've thought that that's more along the lines of what like winter should be. So it shouldn't start until right on like this the midwinter <laughs> so personally that's kind of how I go um even though it's yeah midwinter so from Yule is the true winter meteorologically and this is what most people follow you know in the secular world in the south it's from the 1st of June to the 31st of August so you know most people say oh it's 1st of June down here so winter started like you hear that on tv and stuff yeah and so they also had a solar or Celtic season, and that started on the 1st of May mm-hmm. and goes to the 31st of June. So that was winter for them. So I did – I wrote it down a bit later on. I'll get to that. Um, in the northern temperate zone, so their dates are obviously six months different. And, again, mm. what's the northern temperate zone like? I know England, Ireland, UK, that kind of area is northern temperate. I'm not sure what part of the US is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your climatic Probably zones. Probably all of them. <laughs> well, well oh, they're pretty big. It's, it's a pretty big country. I mean, not, not all of Australia, Australia. So, for us, it's um. we're 40 whatever degrees south. So, it's sort of that band. Oh. But it's, it's – Oh, dude, theirs is way more complicated. Oh, yeah. I've looked this up when I've been trying to figure out because one of the courses I do has the um, climatic zones for plants, but it's all US-based. And trying to figure out our equivalent is really really hard. Yeah, theirs is split up much more detailed than ours is. We just have bands. Yeah. Mm, They have seven. What the hell? Yeah, we have what? Anyway. All right. No help. Three, four? Maybe five? Yeah, tropical. and. Yeah. I know from gardening there's about five and most of Australia is actually arid. So um, sorry, everybody else. <laughs> okay, northern temperate zone, if you know that that is you, your astronomical dates are the 21st December to 21st of March. Your meteorological dates are 1st of December till whatever the last day in February is that year, 28th or 29th. And the solar or Celtic season is the 1st of November which is sowing or the day after. It's it's really interesting because of that old sort of like two-season calendar um, and the Celtic one seems to be different again. So that's yeah, really interesting. I thought possibly the older calendar would be the astronomical date, but mm. actually not. Um, mm. Yeah, 1st of November to the 31st of January. I don't know, people mm. from the north, would you think that your winter would finish on the 31st of January? Because our winter wouldn't finish on the 31st of July in my mind. But climate change, who knows? 
And August is the coldest, like, feels, I mean, I don't think it really is the coldest month, but it feels cold. To like, us, I feel like August is really cold, but I don't know if that's like, um, I think we get more wind. Like, everyone always says to me, like, spring's more windy, but because it's still quite cold, that um, that wind coming up where it may not have before probably makes August really cold. And it could be warmer. I always think it's colder down here. And I think they say in the north, February is fairly freaking cold. The few people I know who have lived through multiple northern winters. So with the cool start to the days, yeah, June, July, August are between 8 and 9.5. So It's fairly cold. Don't um, Please don't ask me to make that Fahrenheit because I can't. No, no, that wasn't degrees. That's below zero degrees Celsius. Okay. So eight to nine point eight days, where the rest are a lot less. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's fairly cold. So. So yeah, personally, I think the astronomical dates are what I would follow, but you mm. know. So the astronomical dates are based on the position of the sun, and they're always fixed which is slightly different to, I think, other calendars. Um, In the Celtic nations, for example, Ireland and the Scandinavian countries, the winter solstice is considered to be midwinter. So that's where – so the 1st of November and the 1st of May come in because that's considered – so Samhain's the beginning and – yeah, so it's the first day of winter and um, the end date's in bulk. So that's how that works. It's almost like there's a time in the year. I don't know. I'll have to mm-hmm. sort of maybe from like for me from like say Samhain to, to Yule or even a bit later. No, no, probably to Yule. That's not in the year. Like it's so sort of mm-hmm. – there's nothing happening. It's sort of outside of time. So for me, it's that period mm. of time where it's just everything sort of stopped and I really feel like I have to rest. Anyway, I was going to go into that later, but, yeah, getting sidetracked. Just to um, – sorry to also sidetrack you, but I think one of the really important things in Australia is that at the summer solstice – at the summer solstice – at the winter solstice, we the wish. male echidnas wake from – We wish it was summer solstice. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> Anyway, yes. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Um, the male echidnas wake from hibernation around the solstice, like within a day or two. So it's um, that's pretty cool. It's um, it's to do with the daylight lengths, like it's been noted in science. Yeah. So like that's a really significant thing for us. Yeah. And you know, if you don't have echidnas in your area, thing, yeah, <laughs> in your well, even like in your in your practice, practice yeah. like as as a symbol for that time, you're missing out because it's like clockwork. Yeah. And that's that's what I think um, – that's what I'd like to know, those things. And, yes, you've got to um, – it's not like we can get – I have a book on Australian animals within, like, magic, I suppose. Um, but it is hard to find accessible information on that. Someone like Liz who's done, like, zoology – knows how to look for this information, whereas I go, what does that even mean, as as will be um, shown in a few minutes when I get to my <laughs> get to what I have to ask you. Um, but, yeah, like that's – I'd like to know that stuff and um, be able to use it, but 
yeah, aside from like the factoid, and I go, "Is what does this mean? Are they awake yet? Who, <laughs> they probably who, don't who's around now?" And she's like, "Oh, they, these animals are like, okay, thanks." I just go, "Go have a look." <laughs> don't make me laugh. Sorry. I'm gonna cough. It's okay. <laughs> okay, shocking. Um, I have a side a sidetrack note. I have a few of these through this. Sorry. Um, there's an article on Wikipedia about the Irish calendar. Although it's flagged as um, a factually, factual accuracy may be disputed, so take take from it as you will. But a lot of what was in that was what I was told about the seasons growing up. Like it's quite a short article, but it's sort of like the a bit of the mythology from my people was were, was in that. So I'm like, oh, I think this is real. So yeah, look it up. There's some interesting stuff on there. Okay. Ecological reckoning and activity. I don't really know why I wrote that down. So Wikipedia claims from a dictionary of zoology, and there's a there's an actual link and a reference which was really good. Ecologists, generally ecologists as a group, recognised six seasons, and I thought that was really cool. I did not know this. Um, winter is termed hibernal, like hibernation, and the other seasons were prevernal, vernal, esti Estival, serotonal, which I can kind of guess what that is, and autumnal. Mm. Now, my question is, do you know what any of those mean? Have you heard of this before? Well, I can... I could... I haven't. I could guess, but... But I can guess. Yeah. Yeah, especially the serotonal and the... um, Yeah. Hyper... Hibernal. I mean, we don't really have that many animals that hibernate here, but I can see how it's like retreating within and stuff Mm. i I like the idea and i was gonna look into it but then i didn't um so i may do another Mm. topic on ecologist seasons (laughs) as a group just they have a consensus i don't know i may be making fun of this and then some ecology student says oh no it's really true and i'll be embarrassed so apologies Let's make our next one all on like see like seasonal calendars and different seasonal times, not just winter. I reckon okay. that'd be fun. Do you want to? Okay, done. And we'll both find okay. exactly the same thing. <laughs> I mean, but we can discuss it. So yes. I'm going to write that down. Write that down. Because um, yeah, I'd like to look into this and see you know what each of them mean. I mean, I could guess at a real basic level. I don't know what a vernal mm. is though. I'm taking it something to do with spring. Um, and serotonal sounds kind of um, serotonin. Yeah, that's all I got. Brain went blank. <laughs> yes. So, so re- reacting so, so, to light, so it could isn't be, it? Could be to do with sun. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking something to do with sun. Yes. Good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I just pulled a really. I might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we meet, I'll tell you all about it. Um, <laughs> Um, The article went on to say the hibernal season coincides with the main period of biological dormancy and dates vary according to location and climate. So it talked a little bit about, um, which I read and understood a little and not a lot, but, you know, like different animals were going to hibernation and that was when the season would start, but it depended on the animals and where you were. But, I mean, it was very, like, scientific, but I was like, this is what we do. <laughs> we notice what's going on around and then we go, okay, it's winter now. People have done that for ages, mm. but as witches, mm. I feel it's part of what we should do. Not everyone would agree, but that's, you know, part of what I think is important. Um, yeah, and I was like, here we go. The ecologists are agreeing. 
their seasons are based on this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, ecologists, just in general. Okay, some winter deities. Um, get ready for me to butcher. Oh, I'm not going to say that one because I won't be able to say it. Get ready for me to butcher all, all of these names. Do it. Okay, ready? I dare you. Ready? I double dare you. One's an Aztec name, so get ready. Um, I apologize in advance for anyone I offend. Okay. Um, so the ones that I don't say what they are, they're just winter in general. Okay. So mm-hmm. winter deities, um, Hymen, who is Greek, Hemes or Hymes, who's Roman, Beria, Beera, Queen of the Winter, who was in Sailor Moon. It's that spelling, I think. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Boreas, who is the cold north wind. He was also Greek. Keon, who was the daughter of Boreas, and she's a goddess of snow and obviously also Greek. Dead, D-E-D, Moroz, and his grandfather Frost, and he's a Russian equivalent to Santa, like that was explicitly said. Father Winter. Did you say Dead, D-E-D? Yeah, dead. I... That's interesting because yeah. of Frost killing things. Yeah. That's so intriguing. But he's, okay. his grandfather Frost, but it's D-E-D. Mm. So I take it you pronounce it dead, 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 dead morals. Yeah. yeah, dead morals. M-O-R-O-Z, morals. Okay. Um, Father Winter, who was said to be Albanian, but um, there was no weird name, just Father Winter, and nothing else was said. Oh, my God. I have to cover you up while I try to say this. It's, it's, it's La Colicuquin is the personification of winter as death. And that's an Aztec god. It's, I'm not even going to spell it. It's a really, really long and I apologize. Uh, Jack Frost, Jack Frost, Tengliu, Tengliu who's a snow goddess and from China. The great winter god, or Ba Jia Jiang, who's Chinese as well. Marzana, who's a Slavic goddess of winter death and rebirth, so much more along the lines of things that, I suppose, Western Celtic witches know of. Morozko, which is interesting because more dead Moroz is Grandfather Frost, and then Morozko is Father Frost. So he's a Russian and different Russian god. Old Man Winter, who didn't have any other explanation besides being Old Man Winter, as they talk about. I think it's – there were a few that were like personifications of things that people still talk about in the US and UK. Like the Pineapple Express is actually like – I've heard of the Pineapple Express before – yeah, but that was all I knew about it. People are talking about the Pineapple Express, but I think it's actually the cold wind coming down from the north or something. Like I read a little bit about it, oh, and that's what it actually is. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, right. oh, okay. And so this was like Old Man Winter wasn't explained because it's just like people talk about Old Man Winter coming in, and this was a – Like they know it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Like Jack Frost had no explanation on this website, but that was okay. <laughs> um, Skaoi, Oscardi, Oscarthi, 
All of those are probably wrong because they've got accents in different places. So again, apologies. She was a jonton, a jotun, and a goddess of bow hunting, skiing, winter, and the mountains. And she's from Norse mythology. Mm. I hope the people we know who are into Norse mythology do not listen to me say that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> It's not how I pronounce it, but I'm probably wrong too. So. Oh <laughs> when I wrote all these down, I practiced them, but that was days ago, so doesn't mean anything now. Doesn't work. <laughs> um, who is the personification of winter, and she's one of the two wives of the sun god in Maori mythology. And I think oh, the cool. other, the other, so. Um, the sun god's married to winter and summer, I would assume, but I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Um, Nane Sama is the is Grandma Frost in Iranian mythology. And then the only other thing that was put in was the three friends of winter in Chinese art, of all things. I don't know why that was included with all these deities, but anyway. The three friends of winter are plum, bamboo, and pine. Oh, so I'd like to look oh, more into the associations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- Bamboo and snow is beautiful. Yeah. Can can I ask? No Indigenous Australian. Not in this list. I just found a list and put okay. it in. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, because ha- our winter doesn't kill everything. It's <laughs> no, no. Our, our winters, <laughs> our winters are very lively. Like there's not really that death thing. So, and there's also other than it getting dark. Like it gets really dark, but the trees. There's lots and lots of trees that don't lose all their leaves. A lot of them are evergreen, mm. and and also like there's there's not even in some places there's not the canopy, I suppose. So the gum trees mm. don't have like this canopy expanse that like covers everything up underneath. So there's always light coming through, even in our not all of them, but in from my experience in some of our denser forests in inverted commas there's lots of trees but because Mm. of what trees they are there's not that keeping away of the light even so yes there may be very weak light but a lot of places even ones you'd think that wouldn't but yeah even in our forests they get a lot of light and it's just Mm. it's just really different there's not it's still you know if you slept outside you could die down here if you unless you knew what to do so it's not amazingly safe but it's it's not you know it's not like it we had to stay inside for six months of the year like other places in the north of the northern hemisphere so I didn't look into like aboriginal myth around this because I'd probably like to maybe do that separately but I just took a real general view and, of course, there's not a much about Aboriginal myth, but it was disappointing. Um, I did find a couple of fun facts. Um, Fimbul Winter, which is the English rendition rendering of a Norse word, um, but that's the um, – in, in Norse mythology, that's the great winter before Ragnarok. Mm, okay. I was like, fimble winter. Is that like fumbling winter? It's not. Um, the <laughs> other thing I found was there's a winter solstice festival in Brighton, which in the UK, not here in Tassie, um, called Burning the Clocks. And I got really excited because I thought, oh, I wonder what that's about. Where did it come from? Like, does it have this old history? And it didn't. It was started in 1993. <laughs> um, but it involves a profession, procession of lanterns through 
the city of Brighton. The lanterns are then burned in a large bonfire, which is a communal bonfire. Participants are supposed to craft their own lanterns out of willow canes and white tissue paper, imbue the lantern with their wishes, hopes and fears for the new year essentially, and then cast it into the bonfire as a token of, of the end of the year and to release the wishes for the new year. And I was like, oh, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like something we do. At Dark Mofo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. It sounds like the um, the burning of the um, Uga Uga. Uga. Yeah. And I just, I liked that because I read about it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, it doesn't sound standard. It sounds really cool. But the, the associations mm. were all much the same as, a, you know, a lot of other things. Things we do here, things that are related to a lot of different areas, like a lot of different mythologies around the world. Now, I have to change pages. And I just want to quickly say what the Uga Uga are. So um, we have some Indonesian artists that came over to Tasmania many, many moons ago and taught people how to make these giant, like, paper mache. Sometimes they're monsters, sometimes they're animals, sometimes they're, like, insects. There was a spider one year, which I did not appreciate. (laughs) Did you you go to it? I did go. Oh, congratulations. I did go, and I still put my wishes in. And then, yeah, you write your wish on a a paper, and Mm. then they have Mm. a procession through the streets and they burn burn Mm. the effigy effigy, in this case. Mm. Yeah, Mm. so – and it's every year for for our annual winter festival here in Hobart. So Started by – yeah. An eccentric man who we all love. The festival. <laughs> um, I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> we all love him. <laughs> I love his eccentricities that lead to a festival and Mona. So the next bit, I'll just talk a little bit about Yule because that was most of the symbology that I found was to do with Yule rather than winter itself. So for some witches and pagans, the winter solstice marks the beginning of the 12 days of Yule. This is a time to pay respects to the underworld, ward off spirits and honour the rebirth of the sun. Um, so Yule is like a liminal time of year. It's between between the worlds as the new year comes in for some. But I personally, I th- I do think of Samhain as the beginning of the year for my in my practice. Like that's the beginning of the witch's year rather than Yule. I yeah did read a couple of things that said some people think of Yule as the beginning of the year in the witchy calendar. So that's the birth of the sun and, and Samhain's kind of like the last festival. I don't know. I Yeah, I would say for me personally, Samhain's the beginning of, of the year. But okay. yeah, a lot of people think of it as Yule, which, you know, that's fine. <laughs> kind of personally feel like how you were mentioning earlier where I feel like sewing's the end and then you have this period of yeah nothing and then the first not nothing but (laughs) yeah no yeah or like I don't know what the right word for it would be Uh, yeah no I don't either hibernation yeah but nothing's happening yeah nothing's happening 21st of June as the start yeah. Whereas I sort That's of me personally. Yeah. I sort of view it as like Samhain's the beginning of the year and the celebration, but then there's that quiet as in like you know, mm. I don't know what I could put it equate it to. It's kind of like mm. I don't know, I suppose like you find out you're pregnant, like you become pregnant. 
I can't relate to this because I've never been pregnant. But, <laughs> you know, there's conception and then you find out you're pregnant like a little bit in or you start to show kind of thing. But in yeah. between, there's sort of yep. not a lot happening. Yeah. 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 That's yep. all that I can yeah, equate it to. you might drink too much <laughs> in that time. Um, Hopefully not. And I also – and I also find that because we are in the Southern Hemisphere, I just end up having two New Year's, like, because yeah. I also still do the 1st of January as the New Year. So yeah, I follow yeah. that. Well, that's, they're both solar calendars in this case, but. Um, mm-hmm. It's because yeah. our seasons yeah. are out of whack. And I think. Yeah. I think... And it's not a big stretch. No. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. It's not a big stretch for me to see the start of summer, at, or to see summer as a new year, like. You know, yeah. like for people in the Northern Hemisphere, that would be insane, <laughs> probably. But for us, we've been doing it since we're, you know. We were born into it. We're indo- indoctrinated. <laughs> we know that yeah, so we- like- Christmas is in summer. <laughs> <laughs> I am thinking about putting my Christmas tree up. But, um, yeah, anyway. I thought that too. <laughs> were you? Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I have um, to fight someone to do it, though. Why? I don't understand. Luke just... doesn't even like a Christmas tree at Christmas time. <laughs> well, it's not a Christmas tree. This is a Yule tree, Luke. It's Yule. That's right. I'll totally that, different. That logic. Totally yeah. different. Speaking of Yule, so I'll just go through a few Yule symbols, which it's all about winter, so it's it's quite closely related to 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 winter um so evergreen plants so the christmas tree pine trees that kind of thing we have a lot of those it's i still find it a bit odd to think about like eucalyptus trees outside of summer like to me even though they're evergreen eucalyptus trees are totally like a summer thing i suppose because you can smell them more yeah and they're and they're a fearful thing in sometimes so yes they are yeah explosive burnings Spontaneous combustion mm. in the leaves and stuff because they need it to burn. Some of them need it to burn. Need there to be a burn for them to reproduce. Propagate. Yeah. Yeah. Holly in the north, evergreen plant, and mistletoe, also an evergreen plant. It's also known as a liminal plant because it lives between the heaven and the earth. So I suppose because it suspends from trees. Oh. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Oh. Yeah. I guess that's another thing that's so tricky in Australia is that holly is a and mistletoe. It's a pest. Yeah, I yeah. I don't even know how much mistletoe we have here. But. No, no. But yeah, traditional Yule symbols in the north, of course. But yeah, invasive weeds for us. So yeah, that also yeah. still really gets me. So when I think about the plants that are around in Australia, it's just it's very different. But these are the traditional ones. The Yule log, which is a Scandinavian tradition, it was always it always used to be like a part of an ash tree and is in honour of Thor. So the Celtic tradition has the Yule log being taken from an oak tree. So there there was there is differences. I wrote Some Burn Their Dreams and I read it and went, Burn down your dreams. Some burn their dreams and goals on the log. So they write the note and put it in the log. So I suppose not for us here, but some of those traditions where you write down your wishes and hopes for the new year and then We've burn them. Yeah, it comes mm. from something along these lines. Um, mm. Some also save a piece of the Yule log and use it to start next year's Yule log burning. I think we did that one year mm-hmm. and I really liked that. 
Um, I still do that. Yep. Yeah, I really like it. Um, <laughs> if I could use my fireplace, um, I would. And some people also make Yule log cake. Have we ever had a Yule mm. log cake? Because I would really – I just think chocolate. I feel <laughs> – I feel like Hazel would have made us yeah, a new log cake. I feel like we have yeah. had one at one point. And Me too. But yeah. whenever I imagine it, I think it's because out of the Woman's Weekly Birthday Cake book, there's like a log and it's like a chocolate. Uh, log. Yeah, so I just think your log cake, obviously it's chocolate. It's, I don't I'm just I don't like, think it I is. the Woman's Weekly yeah, Birthday no. Cake book. It's oh, the best. It's like an institution <laughs> in Australia. So there's the Yule tree, which is the Christmas tree, and it comes from the Tree of Life symbol. Candles are another big symbol, big thing to have at Yule. Um, they represent the eternal flame. The candle flame chases away spirits and guides the sun back to the sky, which I always like that symbology. Wreaths, which come from the Wheel of the Year symbol, which I didn't know that that was – I thought the symbology of the wreath was more about like circle of life stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, bells. Now, I love bells, like the Christmas bells, but um, I hadn't thought of it as like a Yule symbol. Don't know why again, but bells, they drive away bad energy and evil spirits, in inverted commas, and they ring in the morning and chase away the darkness. Turn the page. <laughs> um... So a lot of these symbols are now associated with Christmas because that's when Yule is in the north. Um, and other, there were other like traditions and symbology that was written down. So family meals, gift giving, caroling and hanging mistletoe. So all really Christmassy kind of things, but also still part of, can be traced back to, to traditions that were happening for Yule. Um so the meaning of Yule, so part, it's part of the death and rebirth cycle. So in a lot of Wiccan traditions, it's the birth of the new sun god. Um, so in the, the cycle of life, that is part of the Wiccan traditions. The, the, the sun is born from the, the goddess at Yule, and that's the rebirth of the sun. sun. And there's also, um, which I never really got into this aspect of, um, like the more Wiccan traditions, which is the Oak and the Holy King battle. So it never made sense yeah. to me here. Um, but that's just about the sunlight. So this time the Oak King, at this time of year, for Yule the Oak King would win and the sun would return. And then at um, the summer solstice the Holy King would win and so the sunlight diminishes. But it never – yeah, it just didn't really capture my attention. Maybe because like in – when it was – when we started back in the day, you'd have two guys <laughs> who would do the fighting as a reenactment and we yeah. – I've never really practiced with dudes so there was no one to do it. <laughs> so that may be why I didn't – haven't seen – like had much to do with this myth or this aspect of the Wiccan tradition. But um, it I always mean, fascinated always me. With small groups, yeah, yeah. it's always fascinated yeah. me. But it's never sort of come into the symbology for the rituals I've been. Um, in. I think, and I think because oak trees and holly trees are both introduced, yeah. or bushes are introduced, and so we mm -hmm. don't have the symbology of seeing them Out necessarily the... at their peaks yeah. and troughs yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So you know, holly being green, I imagine with berries. 
at winter, mm. I'm assuming they have berries now. Yeah. Versus bright red berries. You know, like, mm. and then you've got oak like shedding its leaves and bare. So like that symbology isn't really part of our. We don't see it. Yeah. Well, we story. don't see it all the time. Like, there's there are oak trees around here, but it's not. But I can't think that I've seen a yeah. poly bush. I was going to say tree. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't. I don't yeah. see holly much at all in just my everyday. I'd say you might see yeah. a couple of oak trees, but not not holly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I see more mm. oak than holly as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a few more things: colors of Yule, gold for the glowing sun, dark green for the evergreen plants like the Christmas tree, and for the oak king, red for the holly king, and of course holly berries, white for purity and hope in the new year. And I also assume for snow, but it didn't say that, and I don't associate the white with snow because we don't get snow here. And they also had silver <laughs> for the moon. I It didn't explain the moon connection much at all, but it was there. So I wonder I wonder if that's to do with the 12 days of Christmas because Possibly. of the, um, the first full moon after the mm, mm. solstice yeah. is midwinter or – after the first new moon, then the full moon. Yeah. Hmm, possibly, yeah. So there's a lunar solar calendar. Wonder, yeah. And one, I would, I wonder, I'm just guessing, sorry, just getting all guessing. No, that's okay. It just, it didn't explain. It was like silver for the moon. End of point. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Mm. Um, mm. Crystals for Yule, ruby, bloodstone, garnet, emeralds and diamonds. Much going along with the colour, I think. So red stones and then the green yeah. and, and the white, white or clear. Um, I already said that some witches celebrate Yule as the new year, but not me. (laughs) Okay, so the point of me sort of looking at this mostly quite general winter stuff is to talk about what, what winter means to me. At first I thought of like the downsides. So winter for me at a physical level, usually means a lot of pain and a lot of confinement to my house, which is sometimes not so bad. I don't, I'm a real homebody. But, yeah, because of my health, it means I have, I basically just have to stay inside and stay warm a lot and I can't go out the bit that I do too much. Mm. So, yeah, so when I was first thinking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, my, my perception and feelings about winter are um, <laughs> not always great. I'm not a mm. fan but, like, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking there's also, like, a great strength in winter. Like, it, it used to mean a lot to survive the colder months. It's a very harsh time of year. But I really feel that there's a strength in that. So coming out to meet the cold and, and being able to enjoy it a bit is, like, it shows a real strength to me. Because for me, personally, it usually means overcoming a bit of pain um, and not a small amount of discomfort so like for me the winter always brings out a strength like I have to really put a lot in to do stuff in comparison in winter so it's challenging but it's also like and harsh but it's also like um I don't know I get the feeling every time that spring comes along it's like yes I actually survived a winter I my health is still kind of okay like there were some bad days but I got through and I still did some cool stuff and my birthday is also right near Yule and 
it's sort of anticlimactic sometimes. But, you know, so winter means a birthday, so getting older, so it's kind of reflective as well. But I, So I always feel by the end of winter that it's quite a milestone for me personally. Mm-hmm. It's always quite a, yeah, like I got through it, I survived, I actually did some cool stuff, things that I like. So I was also thinking connections can be lost in winter. It's, it's, it's So for me personally, it's harder for me to get out and see people in person and people sometimes just seem a little bit colder in winter like it's almost like emotionally people are a bit more distant and I think it's just because you for me not seeing people in person as much because of the cold can distant can cause a little bit of distance but then I also think you know a lot of people have gone through that with the COVID lockdowns like they've really felt that as well so it's that was just where I was going with that. Like it's it's because you can't see the people, it's a bit harder to stay connected. I wrote, however, I'm beginning to enjoy winter much more. Maybe. I wrote this before like <laughs> our big lot of bad weather. It's a time of introspection and rest and I always want to slow down in winter and take things more slowly. And I think that that in-between time that I was talking about, so – between Sawin and Yule, it's to me that's a really important time. It's kind of like resting and gathering my strength for the winter, winter that comes after Yule. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the beginning of the lighter part of the year, but also the harshest part of the year because there's not much light, but it's really cold, the weather's quite difficult on my achy joints, that kind of thing. So, I do enjoy the introspection, like. It, it goes along with my personality. Um, I spend more time thinking things over in winter, like mulling things over, and I think things through in a lot more detail. Um, and I also feel that my magic is much more powerful in winter time. Like I have a great reserve of magical energy to draw on that I can't tap into in summer, um, or at other times because it is drowned out under the noise of the the goings-on and the heightened energy from outside, I suppose. Like Mm -hmm. the earth is alive and really vibrant in summertime. So it's in a way it's kind of easier to to do magic or spells or or connect with different things energetically, I suppose. I would find it easier in summertime to connect with the earth, whereas in winter it's more spiritual connection. So like – in summer, it's very – or I'm just saying summer generally, like the warmer parts of the year. It's very much about the earth is alive and awake and animals and plants and trees, etc. That's It's easier to connect to them in summer and the warmer times. But in winter, it's more about um, spirit in general, maybe ancestors, that kind of thing. And I feel that just through the way I am, that's more conducive to – my type of magic, I suppose, the things that I am feel that I'm a bit find a bit easier to do, I suppose. Um, yeah, so there is that aspect of winter that I actually like, which I should try and remember. Um, it's not just about the terrible cold weather. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, so that those are my feelings about it personally. That's that's. I feel that, yes, the cold's terrible and I hate it and it makes me sore and I almost always get a cold and blah, blah, blah. But 
magically it's actually more a more potent time for me because I usually draw on myself like my own energy first when I do magic and that seems easier to me in winter because of the more the slowing down the more introspective time whereas in summer it's it's or the warmer time of the year it's just a different you have a different focus so yeah I should remember that when I talk about winter I mean think about winter in general life- <laughs> more busy in summer in some ways like even for me like it's that's when I'm raising joeys and yeah. that's when I'm you know super busy with obligations and and stuff yeah. like that so sometimes taking that moment to yourself is a little bit yeah um, needs more thought yes and more planning yeah. yeah 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 where in winter it is just it's encouraged almost because of how life is in general really I feel like life goes a little bit more at my pace in winter. Like this is what I normally have to do. I normally have to be a bit careful, normally have to think about it. Um, energy levels, awakeness, um, amount of pills I have kind of thing. And mm. other people have those kind of considerations in winter. It's like, oh, the weather's really bad or, you know, do we have to do this because of the cold or the, you know, more considerations. I'm like, yes, this is what I have to do all the time. So, I don't know. I like the slowing down to a degree. I like the, the slower pace of life in winter. That does suit me, I have to say. But mm-hmm. um, it's also, I don't, I don't dislike summer either. Like, I like, it's not that I, yeah, hate summer. I'm not that crazy. I do have one last thing to go through. I found a spell. It's a very simple spell, and I just thought it was really cool. It's actually, it's not even a spell. It's just a cool thing to do. It's a lunar, it's lunar ice candle magic from Avery Hart. And all of my resources and links will be in the show notes, of course. I actually, I thought I'd only have like two, but then I came up with quite a long list of things I've looked at. <laughs> so you will need, now, before I get into this, this spell is put together for people who have freezing temperatures outside in winter. You could also uh, use your freezer if you don't have freezing temperatures outside. So you need a wide mouth jar that won't get damaged by the extreme cold, a candle, water. So you place the candle in your jar. I'd have a tall candle, maybe even one that comes out the top. And then you fill the jar with water until it gets to the very top of the candle, but you can't get the wick wet. Then you put it outside so it freezes in the jar. Or mm. alternatively, into your freezer. So you can put your candle out to freeze if you can do that to coincide with the moon and then you can put together your spell to do with the moon's phases. You take the candle and the ice holder out of the jar and you use it in an outdoor spell. So it's just the the frozen candle holder. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, when you light the candle, it will slowly melt the ice holder away, which I thought was really cool. And you could use it in just about any spell, but you have to do it outside. I mean, you could do it inside mm. if you don't mind wet everywhere. You could do it but in the shower. You could. You could. Especially, <laughs> yeah, snowstorm outside. And you're doing if you're doing this spell and you've got freezing weather outside, kudos to you for doing an outdoor spell. But I'd do it in my bathtub or my shower. Yeah, that was it. So what's the purpose of that spell to 
Well, it's just to make the candle holder, and then you can basically use whatever spell you want, really. Okay. They, w- they went yeah. into more detail about the phases of the moon and things that you could do, but I was taking yeah. the aspect of the wintry candle holder, so it's not really a spell at all. Is it when it when it as it melts, it's releasing? Yeah, what the energy that you put yeah. in. Yeah. Or you okay. Can cool. Put in. Well, the other thing is like, as it does burn away the water, it was really like an effect. So you sit there and mm-hmm. contemplate everything as it melts as well. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of things you could do with it, but I just like the idea mm-hmm. of making a nice a nice candle. Holder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It did. It did also make me think of your freezing spell that you did mm. where you put people in the freezer. It's very effective. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I guess, like, mm. just thinking about this time of year as well and um, about winter, like, I really am considering putting up my Christmas tree. I would. we get to enjoy the lights because otherwise we, mm. we turn the lights and then go to bed and it's still semi-light outside, like 9.20 at night and it's like, yeah, it's still kind of light outside, <laughs> you know. That is um, true. That yeah. is true. Um, With some mulled wine. I thought M-O-L-D and I was like, oh, gross, mulled. Oh, no, wait. Mulled wine. <laughs> M-U-L-L-E-D. Um, yeah. That is one thing, like some of the the Christmas traditions, like we still try them down here, like we do it at the same time of year as everybody else and it just, like the Christmas lights, Christmas lights on your tree or driving around and looking at them, like sometimes we have to wait till like 10 o'clock to go. <laughs> For it to be fully dark. With and little it, kids. Like, it must be so hard. Yeah, and now, like, you could go out at, like, 5 o'clock and see lights. Because yeah, it would be basically dark. dark. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes I do think um, we should just have Christmas in July. <laughs> like, actually mm-hmm. just have a celebration Christmas in July and then make up our own Christmas in Australia celebrations for the end of the year because some of it doesn't yeah. work. We could do awesome things. Yeah. Yeah. You said I don't never understood my mum cooking a roast in like thirty degree weather. <laughs> we <she> usually <laughs> we also usually do mostly because I'm like I, I could eat roast meal, it doesn't matter. But um <laughs> and yeah, I have also cooked roast meals in the middle of summer and it sucks, but it's worth it. Um mm. but the other thing is for us is often I haven't seen any – oh, no, I have seen – there have been a few reported in the news, I'm saying. I had, should look it up online. Um, but the Aurora Australis, we can see that at this time of year. And that could be a great addition to any kind of celebrations. Yeah. I mean, you can see it all year, but you can actually see it. You can actually – much easier. Well, <laughs> you have to wait okay. till like, 10 p.m. Yeah. Let me rephrase that, like – it's a lot more accessible at this time of year <laughs> for someone who goes to bed at like 8.30 at night. Um, so it's yes. such a pain waiting up till 10 just to see if one's going to start. And you're like, God damn it, it's going to go off and I have to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I lived in a not-so-light-polluted area of our state, there'd be no way I'd be seeing them in summer. And just another thing I might mention is one of the things for us, which you may have already noticed because I've already noticed, is that the flame robins move from the highlands to the lowlands. So you'll start seeing – have you started seeing the flame robins around with the beautiful red? I haven't seen them yet. Oh, no, wait. Okay. I think I have noticed them. But yeah. I've seen, I think I've seen one and been like, ooh, 
but not <laughs> they're starting to move. Are they coming? Up. Are they coming yet? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. They're beautiful. Yeah. And you still got that beautiful red symbolism as well for the season. It is our. They are our holly berries. Yeah, let's. Yeah, <laughs> a much nicer holly berry in my mind, but yeah, yeah, lots of little things. Yeah, so that is winter. Yay! That yeah. is my guess- my winter. <laughs> Your winter. Yeah, and like really when you think about it, like if you're up in Cairns or Darwin or somewhere, it's going to be completely different. And Oh, yeah. and They don't have the temp – they're not temperate. I was – I've been watching the news and like there's been really bad weather like on the east coast of Australia, like quite extensively for quite a little while now. But um, they were saying, oh, it's going to be so cold in Brisbane. It's going to be 19 <laughs> degrees and you guys are going to feel it and it's going to be so cold. And, I, and then the presenters were like, yeah, whatever. Because <laughs> this show's been pre- – like this morning news show's been presented from Melbourne. So they're like, what are they talking about? <laughs> wow, 19 degrees, how horrific. Yeah, how might be a bit so horrific cold. for the wildlife. Um, Logan apparently has been hitting temperatures like we have, so which oh, is inland Queensland. Bullshit. <laughs> I think they have. Apparently, yeah. they had four degrees the other day. Yeah, yeah, it's been a bit of a shock. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Inland, yes, they, but they would. I assume they'd go down. Like their nighttime temperatures would be colder. Mm. But yeah, that's not that inland. Like it's a, it's not on the coast, but it's not not far from the mm. coast so that yeah. four degrees would be quite short four degrees is cold to me so yeah 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 that was my obod group they were talking about it so cause some of them are in logan yeah anyway four things as yeah. my mum says you can you can acclimatize to almost anything so why don't I yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> or a good aircon yeah yeah oh my god <laughs> All right. Well, I think we might wrap this up, hey? Definitely. We've yacked enough. All right. <laughs> um, that was really good, Hanny. Thank you. That I enjoyed yours greatly as well. Oh, I was very interested. You. And I love the idea we're going to do calendars. Love it. Yeah, I think we should. I think like yeah. the whole lunar, solar, different areas and yeah, um, particularly because well, I'm really into heathenism. So like mm. there's um the animus – and yeah, totally. Just, um, I'd be interested to hear, I'd love to, talk to about. hear about it. Yeah. yeah. If you choose that. You awesome. Might, might choose something else. I will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, All right. everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you. And we'll catch, we'll catch you, the you next, next time. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.